When it comes to practicing yoga, what is your objective? Do you seek praise and acknowledgement in classes, either from other students or the teacher? In today's episode, I thought we would dig into the objective of yoga, and in particular, if you are a yoga teacher, what your objective is for practicing and teaching yoga. Welcome to the Beyond Yoga Teacher Training Podcast, the podcast for yoga teachers to learn tips, techniques, and teaching approaches in order to build confidence and success teaching yoga. I am your host, Sandy Raper, and on this podcast, I am going to share with you my strategies and approach to teaching, along with stories from many teaching experiences that have supported me within a thriving teaching career for over two decades. Hey, are you a yoga teacher that sometimes feels unclear about the direction you should take in your teaching path, or possibly you feel uncertain and lack confidence in areas of your teaching skill set? Well, this is where a mentor is so crucial to come alongside of you to help sift through and reinforce the skills it takes to create longevity and to sustain a healthy teaching career. I have 20 years of teaching experience and I am passionate about supporting you and other teachers to grow and expand into the teacher you desire to be. I can totally support you within a variety of areas, including how to run a successful yoga studio, how to operate as a solo entrepreneur, develop effective workshops and successful teacher trainings, and even the development of your very own podcast to support your teaching career and more. Private mentoring sessions are the fastest and best way for you to get the results you are seeking. Ready to dive in and work with me one-on-one? Well, I'm ready. So head over to my website, sandyraper.com, or click the link in the show notes and schedule your call today. Now, let's get into today's episode. The habits of our minds are in an ongoing pursuit to create suffering through the distractive, unsettled state that the swirling of our countless thoughts initiates, which often seeks to keep us in a state of being stirred up. Within this stirred upness that I like to call it, we aren't seeing clearly and reactive behavior often results from this state of being. The practice of yoga offers us the opportunity to let our sand settle in order to find space and clarity to seek an appropriate response to these fluctuations or stirrings of the habits of our mind. It makes sense then that if we can pinpoint the root of our suffering and target those habitual patterns of thought and reactive behavior that become the fruit of our suffering, then the objective for practicing yoga seems to reveal itself quite easily, or does it? 
For those new to the practice of yoga, it can be an important revelation to learn that the mark of an experienced practitioner or student isn't the outward appearance of a particular asana or the goal to achieve or perform certain, quote, advanced asanas. Practicing the variations of asanas with degrees of difficulty do have their place in the practice if they serve to support the teaching of the deeper layer of understanding within the encounter that one has while exploring the internal experience rather than solely remaining on the external where appearances can become deceiving. Unfortunately, oftentimes students are not guided to the interior. Instead, they are only invited to remain within the layer of action that involves the conquering aspect of the physical layer of the practice experience. I think often of balance and not in the sense that we often immediately imagine, especially those who practice yoga, and I'm not solely talking about the balancing asanas, rather the balance concept or aspect that the teachings of yoga ask of us, where we balance the dualities of life experience. Balance would imply boundaries and the ability to manage extremes within the concept of moderation. When it comes to teaching yoga asana, yoga teachers can easily be swept into the trap of wanting to be liked by students and the likability aspect pertaining to the complexity of the class sequences or the degree of difficulty that is found within their classes. And sometimes the degree of desire of this popularity can take on a less than healthy approach towards your role as teacher, and you can begin to teach anything but the balanced state of being that the yoga practice has to offer us. Forsaking the teachings, you can become more focused on teaching to what you feel will make students like your class rather than what will actually provide relevance to the students' lives when the practice is less about a performance or praise for having taught an extremely challenging asana sequence. Consider this, perhaps your focus as a yoga teacher has become an experience that is less about supporting what we are most seeking within the practice of yoga, the ability to settle the fluctuations or the chitta vritti that I've already mentioned in the beginning of this episode. Perhaps when your focus on the class remains solely in the ability to teach a physically demanding practice, and less about what's below the surface or the exterior, then possibly you're allowing the underlying seeking of praise to override the powerful presence you can offer when you hold the space for students to use or access the asana in a way likened to a vehicle to explore what's actually taking place 
within the felt sense or the interior of the experience. I'll let you sit with that for a moment. (laughs) Perhaps then this becomes the more challenging or advanced asana to practice and it becomes the objective for teaching. It's when we're really trying to evaluate this, this performance, this doing aspect, when we start to tap into those more interior layers of the practice. But here's the thing. If we are truly going to find the stilling aspect of our minds, the settling of the sand, as I mentioned at the beginning, so that our water can then become clear and we can see more clearly than if we remain in the aspect of the stirred upness, we remain in the ego seeking praise, then we really are hindering the objective of the practice. It's important to acknowledge that if we truly desire to explore the settling, then as teachers, we'll need to evaluate whether we're even willing to go there ourselves. And so I'll invite you into the inquiry again to evaluate what type of teacher you desire to be. Does your teaching rest upon praise and the acknowledgement on the exterior from students that is based upon how creatively you can sequence or, or the offering of challenging, difficult asana? Also, are you actively pursuing as a student the development of the dispensation of the fluctuations of your mind as you prepare to teach and lead others. It's important that if we are seeking to lead and guide others within the teachings of yoga, that we are also willing to be in an ongoing pursuit or quest of this same study or inquiry for ourselves. How do you view the asana? What are their objectives? Do you seek to conquer them in order to prove or show yourself as having achieved some higher state within the practice? Or do you practice them so that you might better be able to teach? Think about it this way. If you are the teacher and if you have studied and trained in the understanding that asana is one piece of the practice, and that we practice asana in order to move from the physical layer of our being, from the doing, and to the more subtle aspect, to the the being aspect, to encounter the stilling of the mind or the layers of chitta that are focused and sustained without the constant dispensation or distraction, then if you remain focused solely on the exterior within your teaching methodology, then you may never lead students below the surface of what is seen. Consider rather, could your encouragement come within the form of a sense of detachment from what one thinks the pose should or shouldn't look like? 
and more about offering an experience where students have the opportunity to develop a sustained focus and one-pointed awareness that becomes less about what they are doing and more about how they are being. This will require you as the teacher to show up to offer the gift of your presence rather than seeking praise. Next, in order to offer your presence, you will practice detaching from the ego seeking attention in order to experience one's unique embodied experience within the practice space. As a teacher, the way you cue and the language you use to lead this type of experience is vital. What you say matters and how you direct and guide students within the development of sustained one-pointed focus and awareness will be imperative upon that approach you use to cueing. Your cues and language will either keep students on the outside looking in, or they will invite and encourage the deep dive into the subtle aspects of noticing and creating a somatic experience in the practice. As you grow in your teaching and as you observe how students respond to your methods and approach, you'll have to determine for yourself what type of encouragement to give your class. Encouragement is supportive. Praise can be tricky and it can end up shifting the experience into more of a performance if you're not careful. I often have found it interesting and unsettling at the same time too, when at the end of a class, the students clap. It feels odd, yet I think it's reflective sometimes of the Western fitness culture and the clapping comes as an offering of encouragement to the instructor or teacher. I appreciate the acknowledgement, while at the same time, I am quick to not linger in that space and to shift the focus back to the bigger picture and that bigger objective of the practice. Lastly, a quick mentoring moment to share. Spend some time evaluating your personal relationship with the yoga practice. Do you desire the attainment of postures merely for the acknowledgement or possibly the praise that you may or may not receive in a class from another student or the teacher? If you are a teacher, when you go to a class, do you desire to be seen? to be the focal point even of the experience? Do you feel the need to perform? These acknowledgements are part of the process and I've been there. I also have come to know that I am always teaching someone something. And as a yoga teacher, whether I am the one leading the class or not, I am teaching others how to be a student of the practice. As I close out today's episode, let me ask you this and spend some time in reflection and response to this question. What kind of teacher do you desire to be and what exactly are you teaching others?
Are you a yoga teacher that can benefit from some tips and techniques for cueing the classes that you lead? Well, I'm excited to share with you about a new free resource that I have available, the 10 Essentials for Effective Cueing. And this is a resource that I want to provide to you with what I believe to be the essentials when it comes to cueing and the language that we use in yoga classes, along with tips that I share with you that will most certainly up-level your approach and awareness when it comes to leading effective and impactful yoga classes. An amazing resource that is yours for free. So check out the link in the show notes and get your free copy today, or you can head over to my website, sandyraper.com, S-A-N-D-Y-R-A-P-E-R.com, and you'll find this free resource there, and there's certainly more resources waiting for you on my website. So go check it out and get your free 10 essentials for effective cueing. Thank you for joining me today. Until we meet again, I wish you well along life's journey, and I'll look forward to meeting with you in the next episode.